for once in a lifetime. You need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast. This week on the Empower Podcast, we have my good friend, Drew Tawala. Drew, how are you? What's up, Jake boy? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Dude, it is so good to have you here. Guys, just to introduce Drew, to let you guys know, he's part of the LA team. He just helped them win the cup. He was a pivotal player the last four weeks in them ramping up to the championship and taking it home. He's sold around five deals a week for the last four weeks straight, if we average them out. He's had weeks that he's sold eight, weeks that he's sold six. He's self-gen the majority of those deals. And he's a second year in power rep. So there's so many things that Drew can teach us that I feel like are really going to be beneficial throughout this whole call. So I've been so excited to have you on the podcast, Drew. We've been talking about it forever. You're one of my longtime friends, but I want everybody else to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up, your background before we get started. Yeah, first off, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, just a little bit. I'm so I'm from all over, Um, but I grew up in Redwood City, California, in the Bay Area until I was about 12. Then my family moved to Utah. We're back and forth between Utah and Seattle. Uh, but for a majority of my life, I've stayed in Utah. So I was in, I went to Cottonwood High School my freshman year. And then for sophomore, junior year, I went to Westlake High School out in Saratoga Springs. And then my family moved to Seattle. And that's where I finished off my senior year at Highline High School in uh, Burien, Washington. Dude, I actually didn't know that. That's why I love these podcasts because I get to know my guys so much better. Dude, I've known you for two years now, and I had no idea. I thought you were a Utah boy your whole life. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I've been all over. <laughs> Dang, I did not know that. So you grew up in California, the Bay Area, and then you moved to Utah for high school, and then right towards the end of high school, that's when you moved to Seattle. Yep. Right. Wow. I mean, that makes sense. You're so personable, and you're so good at making new friends. That kind of shows through now that I think about it, you moving around multiple times. Yeah. That makes sense. So what'd you do after you graduated high school? Did you stay in Seattle or what was your next step? Yeah, so after so after I graduated high school, I actually went to a semester, got a scholarship to play football for Dixie State. So I went there for a semester and then I found out that my mom had stage four um, ovarian cancer. And so I moved back up to Washington to kind of take care of her. And then from there, I just decided to go on a mission. And so I went to Honduras for my mission, Spanish speaking. So that was fun. And then after I came home, um, that's when I started to get into nursing school and stuff like that. Wow. Dude, there is a lot to unpack there. Just thinking about, so you graduated, you went to play ball at Dixie State, you had a scholarship there. And while you were playing, that's when you found out your mom had cancer. Yep. Wow. So you went back to take care of her and help out how you could. And then from there, that's when you decided to serve an LDS mission. Yep. Wow. So I don't know if this is too personal, dude, but what, what happened to your mom since then? So, yeah, so um, when I was out on my mission, I was about seven months into my mission. This was around 2013. And I found out that my mom passed away while I was on my mission. It was like right after Christmas. And so it was like literally two days right after I FaceTimed them or Skyped them throughout the holidays. Because back then, you could only talk to your family twice a year. <laughs> For sure. Like now you can talk to them every week. So... So, yeah, it was, it was definitely hard, but I decided to stay on my mission and just keep going. So Wow. 
yeah. that shows so much perseverance. I, I knew that story. You told me that last year when I was with you, but I wanted these guys to know. And I think that also plays into a large, a large reason why you're so good at this job. You're so good at staying mentally stable and calm and just persevere through hard days, it seems like. And so that's probably a huge game changer. And your mission also probably helped you a lot. And past experiences, one thing I want all reps to understand that are listening to this call is they need to look to their past and they need to pull from their past experiences to help them with this job. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I'd definitely say that a lot of my past experiences helped shape me into who I am today. And so just thinking about those hard times, I'm glad I went through those early stages of those hard times early because it's prepared me for this job as far as going through the ups and downs, the solar coaster, as they say. Yeah. That, yeah. No, that makes complete sense. So then you came home for your mission and where'd you come back to? Was it Utah or Seattle or? Yeah. So I came back to Seattle and then literally maybe a year after I moved to Utah. Dang. And that's when you went to nursing school in Utah. Yep. Yep. Okay. And did you finish nursing school? I can't remember that actually. Yeah. So I actually graduate this October. So I'll be a nurse. Yeah. This October. Dang. That is crazy, dude. Good for you. Oh yeah. It's been a long time coming. Congrats, brother. That is so cool. Guys, if you guys listening, I actually met Drew last year in Stockton, California. Um, Drew came out with Mana and he came out in, let's see, it was May, right? Yeah, around that time, yeah. And we had just opened up a new office there in Stockton. I actually, myself, actually was out there opening the office. Kind of crazy to think about now, but I was out there opening the office, helping out the managers, and Drew showed up, and since day one, Drew was a fan favorite. Like, in the office, everybody loved Drew. They loved working with him. They loved getting to know him, and he really was kind of glue that held a lot of people together, I think, the positive attitude and the outlook on life. And during that whole time, you're trying to go through nursing school at the same time. And you've kind of done both the last two years, right? You've kind of juggled Empower and Solar Cells with nursing school. Yeah. And now that you're going to finish, what's the plan now? So, yeah, that's the, that's the decision I have to make. But I, ever since I've been here, I've been able to make some good money. So, I don't know, I might just stick it out here and just make this a, a long-term career. Yeah, there's so many people that are in similar shoes to you that graduated college whether that was in business or physical, you know, exercise science or whatever degree. And now they're just going to do solar and ride this solar coaster until it's over, then go back to their profession kind of yeah. thing, quote unquote. I know we have multiple nurses. We have multiple doctors actually in between um, like medical school. There's so many people that are in your same shoes. We actually have a nurse in the company, a registered nurse. His name's Nick Robel, and he's up in NorCal. He's in uh, the March region. And Nick, I talked to him about a month ago and he told me, yeah, I was doing nursing. I've been, I had been a nurse for around two years, I believe in Idaho. And he decided he was going to come out and sell solar because there was so much more money in it. And it was one of those things, I'm going to go crush it and make as much money as I can. And then I'll go back to nursing in the future. Yeah. Right? I remember when I first started, I remember Brandon mentioning that to me because I told him I was in nursing school and he told me, well, if you were to make good money in solar, would you still pursue pursue nursing school? And so, yeah, I've been I, this job has been amazing. So, good. Yeah. I'm glad, and I think that the track you're on, it's really cool because what you can do is you can make a ton of money now, save up, invest, put money in the right places, and then when this thing's all said and done, or when you want to move on, then you'll have a great place to go, a great job, a great career ahead of you still. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. 
And so lately, bro, let's just be honest, you have figured solar out. <laughs> yeah, man, it's been awesome. Let's just say how it is, like Drew Tawala, Koala Tawala has figured out solar, no doubt. And I want to jump into that. I want to really dive into like what makes you tick? Why are you so good lately? And I want to hear your story from kind of the beginning to the end of solar so guys can learn and guys can kind of hear what you've been through, what you've gone through, how it was at the beginning, what they can expect for the future, what next year might look like for them if they're a brand new rep, because you've had tremendous growth from year one to year two in your solar career. Yeah. You're doing exceptionally so, better. Yeah. So my first year, so how I got into solar, so I've never done door to doors ever, but I've been approached by a lot of mission friends, mission buddies um, that do door to door as far as like with Vivint pest control. I was never interested. And then one day I was hanging out with Mana and he was on a call or a meeting with Brandon and I was overhearing what Brandon was saying. And it kind of caught my interest because a lot of the things that Brandon was saying just sounded ethical for me. And so that was the most important part is that I wanted to be able to help people and so i saw that solar was a great opportunity to do that so i just jumped on ship and after that me and mana drove down to stockton and uh i just remember the whole week before we just practiced the pitch just going over objections um just practice role playing and stuff like that and then when we got out to stockton um the pitch was kind of easy um you know and so i think my first day pulled like seven bills second was five and then I was probably there for a good couple months and then I went back home. <laughs> and so after that, and then I came out this year, I think it came out the end of July. So I've only been here for a month, but yeah, everything still stuck with me from that first year. <laughs> Dang, that's insane. And guys, I have to share the funniest story <laughs> about <laughs> Drew and I. <laughs> Oh, man, we had so many good times. Drew, just like you said, he came out to Stockton last year and you were there for two or three months and you didn't have a car, right? Yeah. So you were kind of stuck to setting. You couldn't really close at the time. We were kind of far away from area. We lived in Lodi, but we were selling in Stockton. So it was yeah. one of those things you kind of had to set. And I was actually the closer for Drew. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but there's one week that I closed, I think like four deals for you or something in one week. Yeah. And so Drew was a baller setter, like would throw out the best appointments. But one day Drew goes, hey, I set an appointment for you. <laughs> and this appointment I set for you, the guy is deaf and blind. But dude, you can totally close him. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing. And Drew told me that in the middle of our team meeting. He said, yeah, I set the, I set the best appointment, huge system. But the guy is deaf and blind. <laughs> I hope you can close him. <laughs> and I ended up closing him down. And so Drew was right. It worked out. But Drew, you were a good setter. I mean, from the beginning, you worked hard. You got, you got the hang of things. But do you remember what that first day felt like? Was it hard? Were you discouraged at all? Like, what was going through your head last year, your first couple of days knocking doors? Yeah, I'll be honest. I was a little nervous. I also, I remember I didn't have a uniform. I was wearing a black polo. Because <laughs> we didn't have anything big enough for you, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was wearing a black polo, knocking doors, telling people about solar, how they could save money. But that first day I was nervous, but I'd probably say after the first couple of doors, you know, I got used to it. It just reminded me so much of my mission. And so, yeah, it was awesome, man. It's funny that I forgot about your black polo, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It's all coming. It's, it's all coming now. back. 
Yeah, guys, Drew showed up and we had uniforms, but nothing big enough. You guys can't see Drew, but Drew is a, he's a pretty big Polynesian and <laughs> not, not everything fits him. And so we had to literally, I think we went to Walmart and picked you up a black polo, right? Yep, and then right. we had uniforms get ordered ASAP that were your size that came in. So you were knocking in a black polo and even you being confident and you were probably a little older, right? 20, how old were you? Twenty six, twenty seven. Okay. So you were 26, 27, and even a little older, you still were nervous sometimes, right? Yeah. You still had to get used to it. When you were trying to memorize the pitch, what were the things you did? How did you memorize it? Yeah, so how I memorized it, I just read it over, just did it piece by piece. I did it for the first part and then break it down and in sections, so that way um, I was learning it that way. Okay, so you just memorize it piece by piece, kind of memorize different sections, and that way yeah. you could, if you had to deviate, you go back to that certain section again, right? Yep. That's awesome. And then I know that you spoke Spanish too, and that helped you as well, speaking a lot of Spanish and talking to those guys. And yeah. so now that you have came back year two, you've been self-genning like crazy. Last year you just set, but this year you've been self-genning. Do you know how many deals that you've closed in the last, what, two months since you've been here? Yeah, so uh, probably self-genning. I've only been here for about a, maybe a month and a half, but I've closed self-gen maybe around 15 to 20 deals. Wow. Yeah. In just six weeks or yeah. so or less. Yeah. So, I mean, you're definitely making some dang good money, dude, like when these things get installed. And so this year you came back obviously with the right headspace. You knew what the job was going to entail. But what are you doing this year? What kind of schedule are you following what do you try and hit hours-wise? What's some of your metrics that you look at that you pay attention to? Yeah, so as a self-gender, I like to um, hit f at least 40 hours a week. And so what my schedule is, I wake up around 6.30, 7-ish. I always do a workout in the morning, whether that's just stretching or anything like that, playing basketball. And then usually right after workouts, I usually come home and look at my calendar and what I have as far as appointments for the day. And I shoot them all a text and I let them know like, hey, you qualified for this program, the solar program that's helped the homeowners save a lot of money in which homeowners have asked us a lot to tell them about. And I just try to get them excited before I come over. Usually nine times out of 10, they're like, yeah, like we're excited for you to come over because we need help. Yeah. And so, yeah, once I do that, um, the, the first, so from 10 to about one or two. I'm usually just knocking. I don't set any appointments in the morning because I know homeowners are usually working around that time and they're not home till the evening time. So I knock from 10 to two and then from five to eight or five to nine, that's when all my appointments are. So I set all my appointments in the evening. Nice, so you always stay busy. You do pretty much the same thing every day and you yep. knock for four hours in the morning and close deals for four to five hours at night. Yep. Nice, dude. And then do some pipeline management in the morning, stuff like that probably before you get out. Yeah, so during the, the hot hour, so from like 2 to 5, usually when the sun's out, I usually do my pipeline management during that time. Okay, cool. And make sure your deals are getting through, calling people, getting power bills, doing everything you got to do. Yep, exactly. Yep. No, that makes sense. When you knock for four hours now, how many bills can you usually pull? So an hour, I can usually pull from 4 to 5. Wow. And so that gives you 4 to 5 appointments that next day or the same day or whatever. Yep. Do you always schedule same day or next day, or when do you schedule things out? So I try to push for same days, um, even if my schedule is full in the evening, because I know maybe some of them might not fall through. Okay. 
And so if I can't push it for same days, it's always the next day. I never push anything further than 24 to 48 hours. Okay, nice. So in the morning when you text all your customers and you say, hey, you qualify for the slower program, most of them text you back and say, I'm excited. Do some cancel too when you do yeah, that? So, yeah, so it all starts with the set. So in all my sets, I never set an appointment without them knowing that it's solar, whether they know that's one of the programs or not. And so just because I know as a self-gen, I know that my time is valuable. So I don't want to be wasting time going to appointments who don't know it's solar. Yeah. And I'm not sitting in homes wasting time. For sure. Just for me personally as a self-gen. For sure. So you always make sure they know it's solar. You tell them at the beginning and then you reconfirm the appointment that next morning before you go. And that way, if they cancel, you know, you don't waste your time going to their house. And also you probably try and fill that appointment in with a new self with a new same day. Correct. Yeah. And so that's why I have that 10 to two hour blocked off for knocking just to fill my funnel in in case appointments don't go through or if they cancel or just for whatever reason. That way I'm always busy every day and of the week. And you had a week this last, I don't know if it was last month or something, but that you had eight deals in one week. Is that right? Yep. So to have eight deals in one week, that takes some serious time management, dude. Like that's a big deal. Eight self gens, right? Yeah, eight self gens. Bro, like that's my record. I've never gotten more than eight self gens in a week. That's really hard to do. And like that's only been beat once or twice in the history of the company. And so you're doing everything right. You really are. And obviously filling the funnel is a big deal, right? You have to have that 10 to 2 to fill the funnel every single day. Correct, yeah. And when you fill the funnel, when you're out knocking, do you use the same pitch that you used last year? What are you kind of saying right now? What's your setting pitch? Yeah, so my setting pitch, uh, obviously I include solar in every pitch, but I like to set urgency. And so in the pitch, I know it's set up to a way uh, where I can eliminate objections right off the bat. And so if they're asking who I am, it's because I haven't introduced who I was at the beginning of the pitch. And so I say, hey, there's so-and-so residents here. And they're like, yeah, cool. My name's Drew. I work with California Renewable Energy. I work hand-in-hand with Edison and with the state. I'm just following up on the net metering program. Then I usually pause right there and just give them a chance to to answer. And then based off their reaction, I said, yeah, so what that meter does, it just measures how much power you guys are using and the power going out. And if with that new meter, you guys would be able to be put on the lower rate. And then from that, then I usually set up the appointment or ask them how much they, how much they pay for power, just kind of help build pain. But I'm usually asking questions throughout the the pitch to help them realize what they're paying is a lot. Yeah. For them to say it, then for me to tell them that they're paying a lot. For so sure. As as, so as long as they can realize that they're paying a lot, then they know that they're in need of these programs that the state has set aside to help them, you know, lower their power bill. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And so you asked a lot of questions. What would you say, like, are two or three of the most powerful questions that you ask, that you ask almost every pitch? Yeah, so I'll probably say the 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 one that's the most important one that I ask is I ask them how much are you guys paying for power typically in the summertime, right? That's when their power bill is the highest. And the, but depending on what they tell me, sometimes they'll tell me, Oh, we pay around $200. As soon as they tell me that, then I emphasize like, wow, like you guys are paying a lot of money for power. Like, why is that? So I help them realize like, wow, we didn't know that we're paying that much. Yeah. But if I emphasize that they're paying a lot, then they're like, wow, like I didn't know that we were paying that much. And they start realizing like, yeah, we use the AC or, you know, we have people home at this time, washer and dryer. Then I usually tell them like, yeah, you guys are actually paying a lot compared to your neighbors. And so just kind of transition back into the pitch, just helping them build the pain on how much they're paying for power. 
Yeah. A lot of them don't realize that they're paying a lot. <clears throat> yeah, until you bring it up, right? Yeah, until you bring it up. And it's good that you bring up the summer months first because those are the biggest months. Yeah. Those are the ones that are actually going to build some pain and they're not going to say, oh, in November, we only use 50 bucks or whatever it was. Yeah. Like the summer months are important. Exactly. So I like to introduce a pain so that way I can give them a solution. Because if they don't know that there's a pain or that they need help, then they're not going to find a need for a solution. So if I can introduce that and help them realize like, hey, you guys are paying a lot, then it's easy for me to give them a solution. You know, something I just thought about, just like with you being a nurse and stuff, is obviously it'd be like going to the doctor's office and the doctor telling you there's nothing wrong and then after telling you to come back, yeah, right? Exactly. You'd be yeah. like, wait, why would I come back? Why? What do you need me for? Yeah, Where, nothing wrong. For sure. But if a nurse tells you, hey, yeah, like you have a broken arm, come back next week when the swelling's down, we'll look at it. Then you'll be like, oh, shoot, I got to fix it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to come back. Yep, same principle. Like you just got to – people have to be aware that there's an issue or a problem before they want to act or need to act. Like the average human being in America is probably more reactive than proactive. Yeah. Like more often than not, they're not going to do anything until they have to. Like they're going to react to something bad or something absurd. They're not going to be proactive and try and get ahead of it. And so that's interesting. You make sure you bring that up. Is there any other questions you ask that are like key questions? Um, no, those are pretty much the, the main ones um, that I ask. And just from there, I can be able to just funnel where the pitch is going to go after that. For sure. And then you kind of take them through the pitch. When it comes to pulling the power bill, how do you go about that? That's always like a hard, hard stop for a lot of our reps is they're trying to pull the power bill and they don't know how. How do you bring that part up? Yeah. And so throughout the whole pitch, I'm usually pitching them at the meter. So I take them to the meter and just you know, just kind of do whatever <laughs> there. I don't really know how to read the meter. <laughs> just, just let them know, like, hey, I'm supposed to be here. And so when I get to the bill, I just say, yeah, so the only qual- qualifications um, to get put on the lower raise is, one, you just have to be the homeowner. Two, you have to have that meter. And then lastly, you just have to be using a certain amount of usage. And I know you had mentioned you were paying a lot for power, so I definitely want to see if you guys can qualify for those programs. And then I just ask them, do you have, by chance have one laying around? That way I could just take a look just at the graph. I don't need anything else, just a picture of that graph, and I can be able to tell you what programs you qualify for or not. So you bring up the graph every time. And you're like, hey, do you have one laying around just so I can see the graph? And you kind of assure them it's just the graph you need to see. Yeah, it's just the graph. Because if, if I say I just need to see your power, but a lot of people are like, oh, well, there's personal information on there. So I just let them know specifically, like, hey, this is why I'm asking for the bill. And I just need the graph, and that's pretty much it. Interesting. And if they ever do give you a hard time, like when it comes to taking a picture of it, how do you get around that? So, yeah, if they're like, yeah, like um, we don't have the bill or like I don't feel comfortable with you taking a picture of the graph, then I just usually tell them like, hey, it's okay. Um, with this graph, I just kind of reiterate what the graph does. So I tell them why I need the picture of the graph. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, if you just need the graph, then they'll usually cover up their information and I just take the picture of the graph. Nice. Because in all reality, that's all I need. It's just the graph. Yeah. And really, you don't need – and it's nothing. there's nothing sketchy on there. I think sometimes <laughs> sometimes new reps are like, man, we're going to take pictures of their bill. And I'm just like, dude, all we're going to do is figure out how much power they're using. There's nothing on there that we could possibly take from them or hurt them in. And there's only, what, their account number, but we can only pay their bill with their account number. We can't do anything else. For sure. That was always my go-to line. Like, look, all I can do is pay your bill. 
So unless you want me to do that, like that's all I can do. And yeah. so then you get the bill, you schedule the appointment out. Do you always make sure they're both there, the husband and wife, or do you, how do you do that? Yeah, so when I text them in the morning, I always let them know, like, I always emphasize, like, it's very important that you or your significant other is there or your partner, um, just so that we can go over um, all the information and let you know what programs you guys qualify for. Um, just because if it's a one-legger, there's always a comeback appointment or a follow-up appointment. And so, like I said, as a self-gender, I don't want to be wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And so I try to get them both there. Nice. When they're and so that's something you throw in the text message just as like a double check, like, hey, can you please make sure they're both there? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then you decided to go to the house. You go up there and close them. And now I want to talk a little bit about closing, dude, because obviously <laughs> closing is a little bit more to master. There's a lot in there. Right yeah. now, if you're like, what are your ratios you feel like you're seeing right now? If you pull four bills, out of those four, how many will sit? And out of those sits, how many will you close, do you think? Yeah, so not to sound like arrogant or anything, but if I can sit in front of you, 100%, I could probably close you. Uh, just because they know it's solar, I've already built the pain throughout the deck or throughout the set. And so I can usually, you know, close them right there. But if I were to set four appointments, I'd probably sit with three and I'd probably close three. Wow. So you're getting yeah. to the point where really, if they sit down with you, you can get it dialed in and close yeah. them down. And so when you go into a close, kind of walk me through it start to finish. What happens? Do you sit down with them and build rapport? Are you not that guy? Do you jump right into the deck? Do you use the deck? How does that whole process work? Yeah, so my first thing, before I even open up my laptop, I take five to ten minutes just talking about them, just trying to get to know them, you know, a little bit about where they're from, where I'm from. Most of my, my deals are Spanish, so they're always wondering, like, how did you learn Spanish? So I talk a little bit about my mission how I learned Spanish, just kind of crack jokes, stuff like that, just yeah. to bring their wall down. Yeah. And usually within the five to 10 minutes, I can usually tell if they're, if it's going to be closed or not. Wow. Just by how they're giving you, get their answers back and how they're yeah. going to talking with you. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. And so, yeah, I do that. And then right after that, I, before I even go into the deck, I open up my laptop and I tell them, I, I call it a two notebook close. And what that is, is I tell them like, hey, over the next maybe 30 to 40 minutes, we're going to go over a lot of information and I don't expect you to memorize it. And so what I want you to do is I usually have a pen and paper. So I have this little notebook right here Okay. that I use. So I usually hand them the notebook and the pen and I usually tell them like, hey, I want you to write down all the little things on why you haven't gone solar in the past. But also as well, I want you to write down any questions you might have during the pitch or just throughout the presentation, but I also want you to write down things that you loved about solar. Wow. Yeah. Things that made sense for you. So if I can do that, if, if I can have them write it down and visualize it themselves, it's much more better than me telling them why it makes sense to go solar. Yeah. So you give them that notebook at the very beginning, like right when you open up your computer and you say, this notebook's for you. I want you to write in it. Yeah. I'm confident in the deck. That's going to answer all the questions and it's going to give them all the pros on why they need to go solar. So do you tell them to start writing that down and then do you wait for them to write it down before you start? Yeah, so so I give them the notebook and then I start them, I start throughout my deck and I can see them writing down things as I'm going throughout. And then I'll stop and say, do you have any questions or does that make sense? Stuff like that. And they're like, yeah. And then I'll answer any questions. But by, by the time I get to the closing option, 
they're usually all the answer all the questions are answered about sold already because wow. i've already explained it in depth throughout the deck and at that point if they've written them down and you've answered them they can't really come up with any more right you can't make them yeah. up on the spot like oh well what about this or what about that yep and then usually i'll, I'll tell them like or i'll ask them what are some things that you liked about solar then they have this huge list on what what they liked about solar so when i get to the closing statement it's already a done deal like i've already closed them within the first five slides Dang. The and then when you're going through the deck do you show them a ppa and a purchase or do you just show them one or the other or how do you do that yeah so i show them both options i show them the the purchase option first okay. and then i show them the leasing option and so i have this rule throughout all my throughout all my closes is that the 70 30 rule if i'm speaking more than the customer then i've already lost the deal so what i do throughout my deck is i ask them specific questions to get them thinking like why solar makes sense for them. And so I remember on my mission, my mission president told me, he said, if the investigators, uh, if you're talking more than investigator, you're receiving most of the revelation. Hmm. So if your investigator is speaking more than you, then they're receiving most of the answers. Interesting. So you feel like that happens in this as well. You make sure the homeowners are talking a lot. Yeah. And so if they can talk to them, so it's like a psychological <clears throat> thing. If they're speaking on why it makes sense on the pen, they start thinking like, wow, I really need this. And so I remember one of my, one of my sets, just a little story. Um, yeah. This is the one I just closed about a couple weeks ago, but I went to her house and went to the meter. I was like, wow, you guys are using, you guys are paying a lot for power. And she just said, and she said, we need solar, huh? And I was like, yeah, those are some of the programs that a lot of homeowners have asked us to tell them about. But then later on, the next day in the close, while I was, I was getting to the closing options, I did the three-panel option with her, and she's like, she asked me, she's like, what do you think's best for us? And so right then and there, I know that I did a good job throughout my presentation because now I've gained their trust throughout the throughout the deck. Yeah. So, when you say three-panel close, what is that? So the three-panel option close is literally um, just giving them – amount of panels that they want and then how much it costs for each so just tell them like hey right now you're paying 90 bucks for power with this with this amount of with this amount of panels but with this option you'll be able to get more power and you'll get more of a tax credit at the end of the year when you do fire taxes all this stuff so so you just show them like hey there's option one option two option three there's 15 panels 16 panels 17 panels or 18 panels or whatever like which yeah. one do you want to go with? Yeah, I don't do that with every close. It just depends on who I who I talk to. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome, dude. And so obviously you built a ton of rapport and trust there because she's like, "Hey, true boy, what do you want me to do, dude?" <laughs> like, I don't even know what to do. What do you think's best option? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so you get to the point where you're just kind of telling them like, "Yeah, you need this many panels. Yeah, you should do this. Yeah, this is probably best for you." Yeah. Right. But I always do pullbacks and let them know, like, hey, this is totally up to you guys. Um, but this is what I suggest. But whatever is up to you, I support 100%. Yeah. So. No, that's interesting. And I, I totally agree with that. You've got to make sure the customer knows that you have their best interest in mind. Yeah. Right? You're not just trying to pull one over them or whatever. So yeah. then once you get through that, when it comes to the end, how do you wrap things up? Do you say, hey, you want to go solar? Or what do you think? Or like, what's kind of your approach? Once you've gone through the whole deck, you've presented everything, how does that next stop, like, stage go from stopping and getting to docks? From, from 
from going into the docks. Exactly, yeah. And so once you get them qualified going into the docks, um, I just kind of explain everything. I'm very transparent. So I'll let them know, like, hey, so I'm going to be very transparent with you guys. This is what's going to happen. Um, so that way you know moving forward what's going what's gonna to happen. And I usually tell them within the three- to four-week process, it's going to be quiet because I'm going to be doing all the work. So I don't want you to be scared. But if you have any questions, I usually set the expectation right there and let them know, like, what's going to be going on. Because if I don't, then the three- to four-week process, when it's quiet, they're going to be hitting me up, like, hey, Drew, like, what's going on? Where's the, where's our install process going? Yeah. And so I usually follow up with them um, every week, maybe on a Monday or Wednesday, and just let them know where the process is at. But just keeping in touch with them so that way they know that I'm still there and helping them out throughout the whole process. You know, that's so funny. I think that a good salesman really makes sure – make sure is that the customer has no like no confusion and no doubt right when the when the customer starts feeling confused like wait i haven't heard from drew in 2 weeks wait i haven't heard from anybody wait is that normal am i supposed to i don't know i never heard wait should i have wait what like it just starts creating doubt that's when yeah. they start talking to their friend talking to their family having calling you wanting to cancel whatever it is and yeah. it just reminded me, I just went to the dentist a couple of days or like a couple of weeks ago and the dentist told me like, Hey, you might have a root canal. You might not. I don't know. I'll fit. Like, just let me know if you do pretty much. And I left and I'm driving home my car and I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Like, let you know if I do like, <laughs> how, how am I going to let you know if I have a root canal, like my tooth hurts? Like, what do you mean? And he didn't tell me like things to look for, what to expect how much time I should wait to call him back. Like I'm home. My tooth hurts 30 minutes later. Should I still call him back? I don't know. Right. Like he didn't yeah. tell me anything as far as expectations. And when we were missing those expectations, it made me just want to call him, but I didn't call him because I had no idea it was normal. So I'm just yeah. like, so I just kind of waited. Yeah. Whereas if you would have told me, Hey, wait four to six days. If you're feeling like this, call me at this point. This means this. This means this. It's normal. I'm not going to reach out to you for this many days. It's normal for it to take this long. Like Whatever it was, if you would have told me all that stuff, I wouldn't have driven home so confused. And so, like, wait a second. What am I doing now? And I think sometimes as solar, like, customers, they say, like, we tell them, hey, you're going to get signed up. You're grabbing solar. And then we leave. And then they're like, wait, cool. I got solar, but how and when and why and where and what's going to happen and, like, what do I do now? And all this stuff. And you're really good at solving those problems, I feel like. Yeah, because I feel like when you set the expectation, like you mentioned, like now they're not now you're not leaving knowing that they have questions. Now they know what to expect and you already set those expectations. So it just makes the deal a lot easier to follow up with them. And two as well, um, it just pushes it to install too as well, which is the most important part. It's nice to have all these closes, but what happens after the close, I would say that's the beginning part is when you close. Now you got to get them in. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. So as long as you can set those expectations after the close, then you should be solid. Yeah, for sure, dude. So then you jump into docs, you bring it up, you do the CPUC, you do the install agreement, you do the loan docs, whatever it is, maybe a Sunrun agreement, whatever's going on. And docs, how do you usually approach those? Do you walk them through everything? Do you just tell them to sign them real quick and shut up and sign? Like, what do you say to these guys? Yeah, so it's the CPUG is it's a it's a it's a huge document that they have to read, and they're gonna they're gonna read a lot of things that may not make sense. 
And so what I do, I have it set on my laptop to where I just blow it up on my laptop to where they can see it. And then I just go over all the main important parts um, with them, making sure watch out for false claims, why I ask for their social security, um, all that stuff, the 12-month settlement bill. And so, and then after that, then I have them sign the CPUC and just let them know, like, make sure I did my job, explained it right. And then I'll usually ask them if, uh, if they want a paper copy just so that they can read it either in English or Spanish or yeah, English or Spanish. And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. So do you have paper copies already printed out? No. So I usually print it out maybe the next day and then I'll drop it off. If they say they want one. Yeah. Sometimes they, they do. They sometimes they don't. Just out of depends. Yep. So, so you bring up the CPUC, you just kind of go over a few things. Hey, this is this, this is this. And then you're like, you can sign it. I'll bring you over a copy if you want later. Yep, exactly. And then you jump into the loan docs and everything else. Yeah, because the CPUC pulled up in the email that they have is the print is super small. Mm. So if they can see it physically and have it on hand and be able to read it, then it makes it a lot easier for them. Yeah, I know. That makes sense, actually. And so then you have all the docs, you get all those signed up. Once you have everything signed, do you stay at the homeowner's house for a while or do you walk right out? How does that kind of look? Yeah, so I just talk to them. I just get them super excited. I just let them know like, hey, man, like I'm super excited. I was able to help you out. And we'll just talk about, you know, family or maybe questions. that Sometimes they'll even ask me to have dinner with them. Hmm. And so, so yeah, I know that when they do, I just know that I did my job. Dude, so, you know those guys aren't canceling. <laughs> the, <no. laughs> those guys are not canceling after that. The ones that want to feed you post-sign up, that one, those are solid. You always know those are solid. Yeah, I always joke around like, man, like, I'm trying to lose weight out here, but you had me. You, you have here feeding me and all this stuff. So. <laughs> I always give a hard time. No, yeah. that's funny. That makes sense. And then usually when they start like the process of site surveys and all that stuff, you said you text them like once a week or so, or what does that look like? Yeah, so before I even leave the house, so with the do after the docs are signed, I usually do the site survey right there and the welcome call. Okay. Because I was telling them, like, yeah, we're going to send someone out to come look at the roof. Mm-hmm. So I just do it right then and there. So I don't have to worry about it. So I know my for myself, it's a clean deal. Yeah. Once I, once I survey, how well the doc signed. And I do the welcome call with them. And then right after that, when I do my pipeline management, I usually send them a text, just kind of update them or give them a call every week, just once a week. I see. So you text all your customers that are in the pipeline once a week, you'd, you'd say. Yeah. And just Either say, hey, this is what's going on. This is where we're at. Hope you're doing well. Let me know if you need anything. Yep. Whatever. If they have questions, they'll usually shoot me a text or give me a call, and then I'll usually answer it. But it's nothing, like, major, so. Nice. As long as I'm keeping in contact with them, it just makes it a lot easier. For sure. For sure. And so you get their power bill, everything on the first visit, so you don't have to worry about that stuff again. Yep. That makes sense. And they're, they're a picture of their ID or whatever else you need, their income, et cetera. Yeah, so I usually try to stay organized, so that way – since I know that I'm closing a lot of deals, I know that I have to be organized. And so that's why I have my schedule set the same way. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to worry about any interference or anything like that being thrown off. Yeah. For sure, dude. That makes complete sense. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about referrals. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you work with referrals a lot? Do you ask for referrals? Have any of your deals been referrals? How do you feel about referrals? Yeah. So I've actually talked to Kate about this. Because I know Kate's pretty doing pretty well with referrals, mm -hmm. and so um, I haven't used it much lately. But um, sometimes I try to give them the notebook, or I'll just tell them like, "Yeah, so 
anyone that you refer, you'll get $500 if they sign up. Cool. And they're like, oh, that's like easy money. I just, they just have to, you know, sign up. That's it. And they're like, yeah. And so I just give them this notebook and then I just look down or they just look down, just write down names while I'm finishing up docs or sending them docs and stuff like that. Okay. So you, you kind of use the notebook approach of like, Hey, now that you're signed up while you're reading this, you give it to the spouse or other person or whatever and say, just want to let you guys know the referral bonus is active. If you guys want them, go get them kind of thing. Yeah. I just usually tell them like, think of someone that you think might benefit from this. And then I'll just stop by, give them a call and let them know um, some of the programs that they can qualify for. Yeah. Just to help them out. Yeah. That makes sense, dude. That's cool. And then do you call them after or do you have the customer call them or who calls the referral? Yeah, so usually I'll try and call them together. Oh, right oh, really? Yeah. That okay. way, you know, we're both there if they have any questions and stuff like that. Or if they have any questions for me. And then I'll just set up an appointment to try and go try and go see them or visit them if they're in the area. Yeah, that makes sense. So you try and call them together and they say, hey, I just want to call you. I've got my friend Drew here. He helped me out go solar. I thought you might be interested. Do you want him to come by? Yeah. And if the yeah. person says yes, then you just show up and say hi or whatever and get to know them and talk. Yep, and I do the same thing over, take five, ten minutes, get to know them, all that stuff. Do the whole process, get the power bill, come back, whatever it is. Yep, that just like the mission, man. <laughs> it is. <laughs> just like the mission. <laughs> it feels the exact same some days, huh? I know. There's yeah. probably, I want everyone to know that's listening to this podcast, if you didn't serve a mission and if you're not LDS, I want you guys all to know that we did this for free for two years. Yeah. For two years. For two years, bro. We did the same job for free. No. no income, nothing. <laughs> no, they're both rewarding their own ways for sure. But that's so cool. That's You've really got it nailed right now, dude. You're on a tear. And so I'm curious, what are your goals for the rest of the year? Yeah, so, I mean, I plan to finish the whole year out. I definitely want to stay and make this a long-term career. Um, so, I mean, the money amount of money that I made just this past month, I probably made almost a hundred K. I was just looking at my commission this morning. I probably made 95 K just in one month of just me being here. That is like stupid money, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like that's never, yeah. insane money. A hundred thousand dollars in a month. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, if you could do that for six months, $600,000, it's a lot. Yeah. I might not do nursing anymore. <laughs> you might need, you might be able to retire after this, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're going to keep working till November. Obviously, you'll be on all the company trips and all the incentive trips. And then you'll yeah. start back again next year, February or so. Yep. And work on next year. Yep. My my plan is to recruit some more guys so that way I can get into management. I feel like that'd be, that'd be good for me as far yeah. as like growth and learning and stuff like that. So Yeah. I think there's honestly a spot for you. Like we want everyone to grow and someone like you can totally do that. And you've done it the right way where you've nailed the job and you understand the job fully. And now you're trying to recruit. And now you're trying to say, hey, let's grow this thing out. I can get some people here. Yep. Well, Drew, is there anything else you want to throw on before we wrap up this episode of the Empower Podcast? No, man. If there's anything I can give out to setters or closers out there in the company, it'd be one, just to have fun, man. Uh, this job can be hard already, but as long as you have the right attitude, your attitude is what makes a difference. So as long as you put a smile on your face, that's how you approach everything in life as far as uh, what you want to achieve. So just have fun, man. Smile. Just have a good time. Dude, I love it. Best advice we could ever get from Drew Tawala. Thank you so much for being on the Empower Podcast. We'll catch you next time. A once in a lifetime.
need to never stop improving. The constant focus on individual growth. How will you be financially free? Welcome to the Empower Podcast.